I'm Jessica Metcalf, and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, The Shit No One Talks About. I'm a life and business coach and a dentist to oncology patients. I teach how to break through self-doubt, fear of failure, and overworking so dentistry and your life doesn't have to suck. This is part three of three of the Women in Dentistry series, where these four incredible women have joined me again on this journey of talking about all things within dentistry, and also a little bit about our personal lives as well. Here again, I have Dr. Keely Matheson, Dr. Sonia Chopra, Dr. Amanda Trotti, and Dr. Shivani Barto. Time to kick it off once again, and for the last time. Welcome back to part three of the Women in Dentistry, where I have these lovely ladies again here with me. I have Sonia and Amanda and Shivani and Keely, and we're just going to get right into it. So let's talk about being a woman in this profession. And so the last part that we ended on, we were talking about taking vacations and how did you feel around that? So let's talk about now what happens when there's unplanned days that you need to take off, whether that's because of kids or you feeling sick or whatever ends up happening. What are the emotions that exist around unplanned days off? I'll go first because I had three months unplanned off. <laughs> um, because I'm in a unique position, um, because I contract out, um, I don't own, right? But uh, I'm pretty much, you know, I, I'm pretty much the sole practitioner in that office. The patients are relying on me. Um, you know, I think uh, I, uh, I I am basically like, uh, I'm responsible, right? So we had to find, um, we had to find a, a locum, right? Uh, to replace me. And um, it was, uh, it was challenging to find somebody to fill that position and it to um, also find somebody who gelled with my practice philosophy. So they were, you know, like it, it was it was a process. It was it was difficult. And of course, when the person was there, they didn't do things exactly the way I wanted to do them or the way I would have done them. And I had some patients that wanted to wait for me. And, you know, um, it, it was it was difficult, right? Now, in terms of the planned days off, um, I don't take very long vacations to begin with. And, you know, our practice closes uh, for the Christmas holiday. And because um, we, uh, we follow like the school schedule, we're not as busy in the summer. So it's not as much of an issue, right? Um, and it's just, not, it's just not like me to take, you know, a month off at a time. Like that's just not, it's not what we do. You know, like I, you gotta do what works for everybody with the kids have their activities they all have stuff to do so um it's not um it's not really in our cards like maybe a week here i think the most i've ever taken off was like maybe two weeks planned but the the illness like yeah there definitely has to be some sort of a contingency plan there because you never know um when something's going to change and when your life is going to change and uh it's always a good idea to kind of have a, a nice network of people to fall back on and, and to kind of have a plan. Like, you know, if you're in a group practice, you don't have that issue. If you're the only person there, well, you know, you have to say, well, uh, where can I find a locum? Um, do I have like, you know, practice insurance to get me through during the closures? Um, 
what your disability insurance is, is, is like, that's a, you know, do you have an own occupation clause? Cause I was able to go back and teach um, before I went back into practice. Cause I really wasn't allowed to do anything physical like bending my head or kinking my neck or anything like that. So uh, that's the answer to my question having been through what I've been through unplanned and planned. It's really challenging because we don't plan for the unplanned or being that perfectionist mentality at times, there's always the assumption that we'll kind of figure it out or we have plan A, B, C, D, E, F, N, G. But then there's those times where you're just like, oh man, what, what do I do in this situation? So what ends up happening with the rest of you ladies when those unplanned days end up coming up? I can go next. Um, my only real unplanned time <clears throat> was when COVID happened in March 2020. And I think that's probably similar to a lot of other dentists here. Um, that was just something completely unexpected. And I, on the flip side, I think I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. I think I felt some guilt because I really enjoyed it. I like loved having that time off. And I think I mentioned this in the first part when I was deciding when to go, like whether or not to go into dentistry. One of the, the main factors was that it's a profession that can afford me my passions. And I felt like I was working, 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 and I didn't have any time to really pursue my passions. And this was finally a break where I was able to I had an excess amount of time and I kind of had this excuse of staying home and being able to like dedicate myself to that. I have a problem with FOMO as well. I always feel like I'm missing out on things if I'm not at a hundred places at the same time. And so I think um, this unplanned break of the pandemic was, while it was tragic in 99% of the ways, I think for me personally, that was a beautiful, Thing that came from it was being able to kind of overcome that to realize that i do love spending time with myself and it, to me time scarcity was such a um, huge part of my life before covid it really like it stood out to me having that unplanned break and being able to take that time off allowed me to see how important it is to take the time for my passions and to maybe take more clinical days off. I think that was the turning point of when I started to consider that I shouldn't be working five to six days a week, that that's kind of crazy when you think about it. So that was my unplanned break. <laughs> so for me, my unplanned break was kind of, it was supposed to be planned, but then I, it kind of got derailed. So it was my first maternity leave and um, I thought everything was gonna go smooth. And my, um, that, you know, like we were in the maternity ward, I was sleeping and I got woken up by the nurse. It was like, I, I gave birth to my first baby, baby girl, and everything was great. She looked perfect and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna give her to the nursery so I can get some sleep. And in the middle of the night, the nurse woke me up and she told me that there was a problem with my child. And I was like, what? And they, I wasn't at like a real level like hospital. I was at one of the smaller hospitals. So I had to get transferred to another hospital and they like take your baby from you. And they had to transport her in like an incubator and like in a special ambulance. And I had to like find my way to this other hospital at like three in the morning. And I had just given birth like 12 hours earlier. I was 
like it was just crazy. So I get there and I find out that my daughter has this issue and they don't know what it is and they have to run all these tests and she had to have surgery on day two of her life. And then I came to find out that she had to have two more surgeries after that. So, you know, I thought I was going to be taking like this four week maternity leave and it's already hard to find coverage. Like I'm an endodontist, right? So there's not that many endodontists that are going to cover you, let alone be licensed in North Carolina. So I had this one lady who would drive down from like Winston-Salem a couple days a week just to cover my practice. Um, but I had to change what my maternity leave was going to look like. So after two weeks, I went back to work because I was going to have to take a week off and stay in the hospital every time there was a surgery. And we had to fly to Cincinnati Children's because there was, this is like the only place in the world that like does this surgery. <laughs> so we had to fly um, to another city, stay there. I had to shut my practice every time. And um, I lost referrals and, and it's unfortunate because there were some people that just weren't understanding and like their referral patterns completely shifted after me having to close and I couldn't gain their, um, I couldn't get their business back, which was really sad, but I had to kind of just say to myself like, okay, you know, that it is what it is and I got to move on, but that's kind of what really fueled me to create a group practice, which is what I ended up doing. Cause as an ended up honest, you kind of have that, ex there's that expectation that you have to always be available. And I, that was kind of like my wake up call. Like I have, I'm a mom now and there's going to be times where I'm going to need to be with my children and they have to come first. And I have to find, I have to build that support network into my business so that I am not always stressed out. So that's kind of uh, my planned yet unplanned thing. But luckily my daughter is doing well, she's thriving, she's beautiful and all is okay and everything got fixed. But you know, they didn't know, like it was a complete surprise, like nothing was seen on the sonogram or anything like that. So, you know, everyone was kind of blindsided by that. That was going to be one of my questions. So I'm so glad that you popped in to share about your daughter and how she's doing now and stuff post-surgery. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I wanted you turn this around and said you created a support network for you, right? Because it didn't exist. And you're like, well, this is my reality. And I still want to be an endodontist. I still want, but I also want to be able to be with my family if things go south or something happens, right? And so the fact that you made it an option, it wasn't an option before and you created that option for you. And that's what I absolutely love about that. Keely, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm kind of in the same boat uh, as Shivani. I, my unplanned was basically COVID. I, up until that point, I had the support. I was working with my dad. Um, I mean, I think I can speak for a lot of us in saying, dentists just don't seem to get sick because your mentality is I can't, I can't take a day off. So I'm just going to show up. Um, I haven't taken a sick day yet. <laughs> um, and that's not really a point of pride for me. That's just, I, I know all the things that have to happen in order for me to be sick. And it just seems like they can't happen. Uh, so I just, I come to work. That's probably going to change now that COVID is, is so in the, in the forefront. 
knock on wood and thank thank gosh for vaccines that I haven't gotten any any sickness since since the start of it but um it's you know it's changed my mentality around hey you know what we can get sick and we can take days off it's not the end of the world um moving a day is just that it's just moving people in a day um but covid was the the unplanned that's the longest i've ever spent outside of just graduating dental school and um getting a license <clears throat> on the flip side though um it was actually that was the turning point for me to then take over the practice my dad's 70 plus i didn't want him working um well he didn't want to work too much either and so i those days were incredibly long <laughs> um planning planning the comeback kind of doing all the uh, background helping to pay my employees even though they weren't working all of that background stuff that um was never really on my plate before became um on my plate so uh, I was working really long hours during COVID, but not seeing any patients and doing a lot of virtual stuff. So um, that that was an interesting change up uh, for me. But I mean, it taught me a ton. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it for granted. It was a, a, another kind of um, transition. Um, so that's kind of been mostly the unplanned, and you know, it's I. I I think you're right, Jess, in saying that we kind of just go along thinking that, you know, we're we're just going to be in control of everything until something stops us. Um, I I don't know what I would do if something happened. Luckily, as they say, my dad's still in practice, not very much, but I have an associate now. So I think building that network around you is, is the key. Um, you know, it, yes, solo practitioners, it can work and you can find people, but it, man, it just it's just so great to know you have people to call on when when you are sick for a day or you know you just uh you you have a family emergency that you have to deal with and you know you know you won't be there at work mentally you won't be there <laughs> um even if you show up so you know it's 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 not in their best interest the patients to, to have you there anyway um and so it is really great when you have people to to call on um so that would be that would be my future thought <laughs> if, if and when that happens. Um, but I've been very lucky, as I say, uh, not a lot of unplanned. <laughs> I share in that sentiment where when you have to change your schedule and cancel patients and these people are relying on you and stuff, I always struggled with that. And so a lot of guilt came from that. And then there was another dimension that when I was working in group practice and was so appreciative that I could move things around, that I thought people were going to look at my work and then judge my work. And it was going to be like, oh, what are they going to say? Was that margin this or was that whatever it was? And so it was really having to not only trust my work, but also trust other individuals in the group as well. Oh, ladies, thank you so much for that answer. So I'm totally going to switch gears and shift into a non-related question. Do women in dentistry make less money? Silence. <laughs> um, I, I want to say I don't. <laughs> Is that okay? I love it. No, I love it. I love it. I think that maybe the, the pay gap, because I, I have my own thoughts on the gender pay gap, to be honest with you. Um, and I think I make less money than, like, say, my husband does not because I'm a woman per se, but it's my personality. 
And um, I did take more time off to, you know, nurse the kids. Yeah, the responsibility of childbearing, you know, it fell to me because I breastfed, you know, and I pumped and I, you know, had to take more pumping breaks. Um, I don't feel like, you know, I got paid any less of a percentage because I'm a, I'm a female. Um, that's not the case at all. Um, I never felt like when I was in dental school that anybody uh, said, well, you know, you can't be a certain specialty because, you know, you're a female. Never felt that at all. 52% of my class was female and uh, at least 52, 50% of those women went on to specialize. I'm a GP. I, I am as busy or as not busy as I want to be. I take as much time as I want per procedure. It's just my personality. Um, I know that there are, you know, some women that operate, you know, multiple chair practices. That's great. That's just not my style. That's more a testament of my personality than it is to whether I'm a woman or not. Um, and I and I don't think that um, the pay gap exists because is there any like inherent sexism in the system? I think it's like, well, we need to take time off to recover physically. We need to take time off to, to you know, to breastfeed. We need to take time off. Like I know with my second. My, my second kid was huge. He was over 11 pounds. And I was like a T-Rex when I was working. My arms were like so short, right? And um, I had to leave uh, a month uh, earlier, right? Because I just couldn't do it anymore. And the choices that I made with respect to, you know, my daughter, it, it didn't have anything to do with me, you know, being female. It's just that I changed my mind. And I think that's, you know, that's why I chose dentistry because it's very, very flexible. Now, if I had done another residency, like, you know, anesthesia uh, or, you know, any other different kind of like hospital-based residency where you're on call, I wouldn't have had that luxury. And you know what, I just would have had to adapt, you know, or if I was in another, uh, another specialty where I can't really think of anything. I think a lot of specialists, they have like banker's hours anyway, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't think it's it's necessarily because I'm I'm a woman. It's just my, my personality and the biological limitations that we have. But you know you can catch up. I mean I, I look at it now with um, do I make less money? I, I I make less money now than I did before I, I had my stroke, and uh, I could work like I said seeing a patient every half hour, boom 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 boom, um, and not sweat it. But now I just, you know, I physically, I don't have that endurance anymore. And I'm getting getting older, I'm in my forties, right? You know, like not that that makes a difference, but it's kind of like, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm not as hungry. You know, I'm more selective with the procedures that I, that I take. I only want to do things that I enjoy and I want to really enjoy them. And I don't want to feel rushed. And, you know, I like to spend that extra, you know, 15 minutes talking to the patient and polishing those restorations, you know? Um, and that's just my that's just my personality. I'm sure that you you could speak to uh, a gentleman that I associated with. He always used to say it's not about the money. You know, he doesn't care. He had suffered from um, all sort of colitis, and um, he had to take time off and he had to step back from his practice. And he's kind of like, you know, what? I don't care about the money anymore. It's all about it's all about your health, right? And so that's how I see it. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Amanda. <laughs> Sorry, Shivani. Same here. I, I, mine's quick. I just think she she nailed it. I think it's personality. I think women in general, caregivers. Um, I know I make less money than my dad. If it's side by side, he can just get through. Granted, that's forty years of difference in experience, but but for me, I'd rather take my time. I'd rather make sure the patient's comfortable. It's just it's just the way it is for me personally. But I know women that can just 
go and and that's great too i don't think there's a an inherent um sexism in there uh, in terms of uh, pay pay bias you yes <laughs> I, I agree i think you guys have all said it and the thing i would add is i think women are just more in touch like in in terms of what amanda was saying with treatment planning and how we want to have a more intimate relationship with our patients i think women are more in touch with their that part of themselves and their intuition and from a younger practicing age like i'm only four years out of dental school, but I'm I'm asking myself these questions of like, how much time do I wanna spend with patients? What procedures do I wanna do? I'm not just kind of like blindly following the path where I feel like many of my male counterparts who are in the same part of their career are just kind of like in that grind phase and they're not asking themselves those questions. So I think women are just sometimes more in touch, they have more of that feminine energy and they're more in touch with asking themselves those questions of, am I taking enough time for my own self-care? Is my mental health okay? I um, I wish more men asked that and I think they do, but it, maybe it just comes with age. <laughs> I love That's that. A, I agree. Uh, I'm just gonna say one quick thing because my business partner is a male and you know and i agree i think it's completely personality you know and any given day if we're working the same hours like i will outproduce him but again it's just that's he has his way and i have my way and i like to turn and burn and he like just has his flow and that's okay and there's no competition you know i intentionally kind of turn and burn because I want to consolidate my days and work less days. He works four, I work two. So I kind of need to do that. Um, and again, I think we're both just always at the point where we don't want to take anything away from the patient. We just know how to, you know, have our conversations either quicker or slower or whatever, but it's totally personalities. And I hundred percent agree with that. I love that. And I love the explanations that came behind that because we are so unique and individual as dentists. And our hope is, is that our personalities do shine through and do get to shine through, right? And in doing that, then you get to be your authentic self and show up every day as you. And so I absolutely love that. Okay. Next question. What struggles have you faced being a woman in this profession? I, I don't think I've faced any struggles being uh, being a woman. I got to be honest with you. You know, um, I think the struggles that I faced were just struggles that I faced because I'm me. I mean, I just happened to be a woman, but I never was like, I never felt like when I was applying to school, when I was in school, when I was applying to post-grad programs, when I was working, um, I never felt like, you know, oh, they don't like me because I'm a woman or it, I never felt like that ever. You know, honestly, I never felt hindered by any of that, not by my family, not by anything. And um, I do have a funny story though. Um, so I, uh, well, I don't work with my husband. You know, my husband is also a dentist. My husband owns a practice. Um, I, you know, was wearing scrubs to work and um, I went to pick up my daughter from kindergarten and, uh, I was like, I think I had taken out like 28 teeth that day. <laughs> like it was like surgery day, it was crazy. And I was wearing my scrubs and this woman comes up to me and she's like, oh, um, I didn't know you were a nurse. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a nurse. I'm, I'm a dentist. And um, she's like, oh, are you a hygienist? 
I'm like, no, no, I'm not a hygienist. I'm a doctor. You know, I'm a doctor. She goes, oh, yes, and your husband and dentist. I said, yeah, he is a dentist. She's like, oh, don't you work for your husband? And I'm like, no, I, I don't work for my husband. I work for myself. Um, and I think it was just, it's just like a cultural thing. Um, I think, you know, where, where we live, it's just a different mentality. And I know that in our house, because, um, you know, my daughter wants to go to medical school. And it's not a question of like, you know, oh, well, you know, you're a female, like, no, no, that, that, that doesn't even like cross our mind, you know, and it never crossed my mind when I was, you know, applying to dental school. It's just like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I went to an all girls high school, right. And it was just like, you know, you're going to go to university, you're going to be a professional. And like, that was it. There was no question. And like I said before, over half of my class was female. We had female oral surgeons. We have female endodontists periodontist, pedodontist, everything, you know, male pedodontists, you know, it, it just never, never came up. So I, I think the challenges that I had are like, that's a whole other book. <laughs> like, and, and, and me being a woman in dentistry doesn't factor into that at all. There's a lot of other stuff <laughs> that I'm sure is juicy, but <laughs> definitely not that, at least for me. I, I agree with Amanda in the sense that in the dental profession, like within the bubble, I don't think I ever felt a difference because I was a woman, but it's from the public's perspective of, I don't know how many times I've been asked that question. Am I the dental assistant? Am I the, the hygienist? Especially because my favorite and best dental assistant was a male. It was always different with the, the patient didn't just didn't know. They genuinely didn't know. They have always had the experience of having a male dentist. So I agree in that sense that I felt a difference being a woman um, from the patient perspective. But I think it also came into play with my confidence um, in treatment planning. And as a new dentist, I would see my peers, my male peers, being able to make like much more black and white treatment planning decisions um, and be able to sell those treatment plans with a lot more confidence, a lot faster than I was. I think I wanted to be 100% sure about a treatment plan. I wanted to be able to understand every single part about it. And I wanted to be, be I wanted to feel like more information meant more confidence or to me, that's how I got gained more confidence. Um, whereas like guys would know 50 60 percent of the plan and just kind of like wing it and be okay going going at that pace and maybe that's not just a male female thing that can just be the type of practitioner you are so I think that's how I also felt a difference was just in my confidence level I at uh, my first year out of practice I couldn't pitch the same way that um, a male dentist would and maybe that yeah again was just like from my own perspective but that's how I felt confidence really affected me um, I definitely felt it as a specialist, you know, every time I would go to somebody's office and they were like an older male, like they just wouldn't come and greet me. Um, but I, I realized that it was kind of like, it could be either for or against me, you know? And so I, I started to make a shift. I'm like, well, I'm not going to let this be my weakness. I'm actually going to let it be my strength. And so I just started to market more to females. I'm like, I'm the only woman endodontist in this town. I might as well do something with it. And so I created my own little niche and and support system there. And I think that's kind of cool, you know? And then on the flip side, a lot of patients now seek me out because I am female. So I've had it for and against. And 
you know, I try not to take offense when it's against and I just, you know, try to be thankful when it's for and I can have all these female dentists now that I hang out with and I can call friends now. Yeah, I'm kind of a mix of all of all these experiences. I will say I, I have, I, I would say experienced it. Um, mine's kind of inextricably linked with experience though, because, you know, I walked into a practice with a male dentist of 40 years, you know, there's, there's a lot, it's just preference for him. And it's, what is that? Is that experience? Is that time? Um, and, and I think Shawana, you nailed it too with confidence you know, that comes from experience, but I also think guys just, yeah, they can, they can say something very confidently. Whereas in the back of my head, I'm also thinking, Oh, you could do this too. You know, there's lots of options. Um, where I found it to be interestingly enough, more pronounced was actually when I were doing a reno and I'm dealing with contractors and I'm dealing with my suppliers. And I'm just like, why do you want to talk to my dad? I'm the one who's doing this. Like I'm the one who gets what's going on, but they'd always just go over my head and try and, you know, and, and meanwhile, they don't understand that he has no idea what's going on. But yeah, for some reason that was where I felt it to be really strong. Um, but, you know, I, I, I find Sonia, you're the, you got it in the sense of, I just, you got to use it to your strength. And now I, I see more people saying request a female, um, you know, it's, it goes both ways. Um, so just kind of losing that it's, it's me personally, um, has been really helpful and yeah, I think it comes, comes both, both directions. I wanted to add on one thing. I think you're right. It does come in both directions in terms of people sometimes want the female provider. I've had so many patients tell me that I'm like a hundred times more gentle, even though my, I don't necessarily have small hands. I'm just like, you're way more delicate. And like, I feel like the, the male doctors just kind of like rough around and you like, you're just so gentle and you're the most comfortable I've ever felt. And so I think that's also a really nice compliment. So you're right. It can go both ways. <laughs> I totally say yes and no to the situation too. I feel like I'm split because there's definitely been, it's more situational based with the individual that you're speaking to, right? So there have definitely been that, that moment in time when you're with a patient where, especially as a new grad, they're like, oh, you look so young. And that I would always take to heart because then I would interpret it as they think I don't know anything. Meanwhile, it was just the fact that this individual is definitely older and I look young. <laughs> I, I think I was like the only person like excited to turn 40. Like, I was like, yes, I can say I'm 40 now. Like, so, so sad. <laughs> I, no, I love being in my 40s. Like, that's like, that's the, the best. I was very excited to turn 40. It's like, I finally feel like I have my crap together. I know, you know? but like, I wanted to turn 40 just so I could tell patients that I was 40. <laughs> I, I, I like it because people still say to me when I tell them that I'm 40 and now I, I kind of I kind of feel like you know um, I know what I'm talking about which is kind of cool but I still have like I still in a lot of ways feel like I'm 18 and like I still have like that same taste in music and you know like I wear black scrubs and you know you can see my tattoo on my arm and and they're like oh wow you know when I tell them I have like an 18 year old daughter like really you know you look so young and I'm like yeah there's gray hair underneath, uh, you know, this, this uh, little surgical cap, right? I think being in your late 30s and your early 40s and up until maybe even your, your early to mid 50s, I think that's a really good time. And everybody that I've spoken to, it's a really good time to, to be practicing. 
um, at least I'm finding, I'm really enjoying this time in my career because I'm old enough that I feel like I have the, the experience behind me, but I'm young enough that I have the stamina um, to do all the things that I want to do, um, that I can, you know, do those like root canals, I can do, you know, those restorative procedures, I, could, I don't mind, you know, staying late. Yes, I could squeeze another person in, um, but I'm also old enough, old enough that I have like the like kind of the savvy that I, I don't let, you know, patients walk all over me. I, I kind of feel comfortable turning away cases that I don't, you know, something where red flags come up, um, I don't let people, you know, walk all over me. But you, you also have to understand, I, I live with, you know, a male dentist and I think like, you know, he and I are very, very similar in, the, in this respect. We both take things very, very personally when things fail. Um, we both carry our work with us um, when we come home. We talk shop. We're very sensitive. Um, he's very, very, you know, gentle, um, you know, very caring, cares a lot about his patients, um, invests a lot into, you know, the practice and into the staff, etc. Et but as we've gotten older, we're both like, you know what, I'm too old for this shit. You know, I don't, I don't want to take any of this anymore. And like, no, you know, I, I kind of, we've both kind of learned how to navigate, you know, respectfully be like, yeah, you know, how to steer the conversation away, how to diffuse situations where the younger me, and especially um, when I started out as like a, a new associate, because like I said, I've worked in several offices. I don't own, you know, every time you work into a new practice, you're the new kid on the block and you have to kind of adapt to the, you know. Hold on, I'm gonna cut you there because you're totally segueing into the next question. Oh shoot, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah. this will be a great segue into it, which talks about okay. that leadership component, right? Those leadership okay. skills and being a woman in this profession. And sometimes this term, and I'll use it, gets floated around at times. So do you have to be a bitch to be a leader within the dental profession? Well, I'll, I'll finish that basically like what, when you're an owner in general, mm -hmm. you have to be the bad guy, okay? It's male or female. Um, I do think, and we had touched upon this in our, our first meeting when Sonia was communicating her, you know, her uh, challenges of being a you know a good leader. Um, I think it's very very difficult to manage personalities, uh, especially in dental offices. Um, and I think the nature of dentistry of what it is too. I mean because it's a fee for service. It's very touchy. You're dealing with money. You're dealing with personal space. Dealing with a lot of strong personalities. And in Ontario, you're dealing with you know two separate regulatory bodies hygienists and the um and the dentists that are often at odds with one another it's come to you know light especially after covid um so you got to be the bad guy i don't like to say the word bitch um because you know my my husband struggles with you know staff and and making these decisions and every single person male or female that i've spoken to has those issues but like what Sonia had, had mentioned before, yeah, sometimes when you are a, a female, they're a little harder on you. You know, they expect you to be like nice and warm and fuzzy and, and you know, okay, like more empathetic. And, and I mean, you know, it's not like, it's not like that. I do, I do think sometimes men do get a free pass, but I'm sure that, you know, my husband will disagree <laughs> when he comes home and he'll, 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 he'll give you his, you know, he'll give you his own two cents. 
Um, but yeah, right. What Sonia had talked about in the in our first um, in our first meeting, yeah, you know, it, it's it is. I think there is a little bit more scrutiny in terms of leadership, but I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, unique to dentistry. I think it's true for every for every profession. Yeah, I was a pretty shitty leader for a very long time, and I am so okay admitting that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, did, I couldn't just, I, I couldn't accept everything that was going on at the same time. I mean, I was pregnant for a decade, building this practice. It was, it was growing, whether I liked it or not. I mean, that was just a lot of stress that I really didn't know how to handle. Plus, like my personality, I'm an Enneagram type eight, so I'm very direct. So whether I'm bitchy or not, I always come across as a bitch. (laughs) So it's just, you also have to understand people's personality types. And, you know, I've had to be very self-aware of my personality type so that I am not perceived as a bitch a lot. But again, that's, it is my personality. My, My husband is a dentist too, and he has not experienced the same things that I've experienced. I've had a lot of turnover and I can admit it. It's, I was the common denominator. I was the one that people didn't like. Um, I've gotten smart though. I realized that I'm not good at being the head of HR. So my partner does that <laughs> and it's just, it's better. He's more diplomatic. I'm very direct and direct just doesn't work in HR. So. I've realized that that's not my strength and I'm okay to step away from that. And, you know, I, I have leaders now that kind of report to me and they understand my personality better than other people. So I tell them what needs to be done and they can kind of, um, just kind of pacify that a little bit and then deliver it nicely to whoever needs it. And so I've just, from that self-awareness, I realized that that's how I need to lead. And, you know, I, can be a visionary in my practice and I can be very inspirational to others. And that's kind of where my strength is. And so I just try to live in that domain. And then when I need to communicate to others that I feel like might cry, if I talk to them, I need to go through my leaders or my partner who are just a little softer beings than I am. I totally get that. And it starts with that awareness aspect of it, of your strengths and your weaknesses, right? Because it's fine that you can't do HR or that you don't want to do HR, right? So it's one of those things where now you have the opportunity to really start to bring in your team as a whole and kind of figure out, okay, what are your strengths and weaknesses and where can you outsource? So then the whole thing isn't on your shoulders and you feel like you're burning out and you're just kind of stuck in the hamster wheel. And so one prominent time that this really stood out for me is my first chief of dentistry that I worked with, he pulled me aside and he said, listen, you're the youngest dentist. You're going to be the youngest dentist in the group for a while. And you really need to kind of be a bitch. And he said it in so many words. And I thought I was like, okay, I need to put on this face. I need to be like, and I got rid of part of my personality with that. And what I realized is I need to show up as me and recognize that yes, some days I'm gonna be more direct. Yes, some days, right, depending on situations. But it really made me think about how I show up and how I need to show up for me and then my team and then my patients. So what about you ladies? What, do you, what are your thoughts on the word? 
I, you know, I piggyback on what you said there, Jess. Yeah, it's it's funny how you think you have to be something, um, and you just take on that role, thinking, okay, this is gonna work because you know, I, I don't know where we get it from, but you know, people, other influences, or even just you know, watching the characteristic bitch uh, role on television or, or whatnot. Um, I I was very, as I mentioned in the first one, was very passive, and I wasn't in the leadership role at the beginning. Um, but then as, as the, the kind of complaints and, and the problems started coming out of the woodworks, then I had to take on more of that role. And I did initially take on the, I have to be stern and I have to be, um, kind of meaner than I want to be. Um, didn't work very well for me because I just have a hard time being aggressive and mean. Um, so I, you know, I realized then that I think to be a good leader, it's more so about having you know kind of a strong internal compass of what you want what you see for your practice how it will grow your practice as a whole as a group um someone said it really well to me the other day um and it's just will this benefit the practice if the practice were you know a living breathing thing uh, if you think about it like that and you're thinking of all the people in it versus you know benefiting any one person um then then you can kind of just have a, a guiding line um, so it's not you're making personal decisions and flight of fancy kind of based on the attitude you have that day or whether it was a good or a bad day. And granted, those happen too. But this is just, you know, you have an idea of how you want things to be um, and and you let that be be what dictates um, how you speak to people and and that sort. And then, you know, things kind of fall as they as they may. People will stick with you if they like that and they will go if they don't. And that was a huge thing I had to learn is, you're not going to keep everybody, you know, people have their own lives. They're going to make their own choices. And that just is what it is. And you just have to have a strong enough sense of self and a sense of where you want to go. Um, and I think for me, that's been a, been a huge growing experience as a leader is if I know, then I can lead people in that direction. And I'm more of a lead by show. I don't like to tell people so much. I'm just like, well, if I do it, maybe they'll follow. Um, and so, so far, that's that's helped but delegating is a big one knowing your strengths i also don't love to have all these hard conversations all the time i'm looking right now for someone to help me <laughs> um so that you know i get a little bit of that time away so that i can be even a better leader um so it's all of those things kind of wrapped up uh in one okay i'll round up this bitch section <laughs> so i think, i appreciate uh... that <laughs> So, I, I mean, the, the saying goes, right, when a woman does it, she's called a bitch. And when a man does it, he's called a boss. And, like, why is there that difference? Um, so I think my problem as an associate and as a new dentist is wanting to be liked by everyone. I really wanted to be liked by the team. And I really wanted to be, um, I wanted to be their friend more so than, like, the bitch or the boss. I didn't want to, like feel as though I was this distant person they couldn't talk to. Uh, and I think that can kind of backfire you, backfire on you sometimes. Your team can walk all over you. Um, they can disrespect you. They can um, take advantage. But um, in, on the flip side, they can also confide in you. They can trust you more. Um, they can work better with you and work can actually be more fun as well. So it's just all about finding that fine balance. and. I don't think you have to be a bitch to be successful in dentistry, but I think it does. You have to get over the, I want everyone to like me mentality. 
I think it's better to be respected than to be liked. And that's sometimes hard when you are a people people pleaser and that's your tendency. So that's where I struggled and just trying to find that balance. I will say that I feel like it's just a, a flow between feminine and masculine energies. And that's kind of what I've been learning. And when I'm at work, I tend to be in my masculine a little bit more. And unfortunately that kind of trickles home and sometimes in the bedroom, which is not a good thing to do, you know? <laughs> and so, so like that is one area in my life that I'm trying to work on. And I'm actually look like probably gonna hire this coach that kind of helps me master my feminine genius. Um, because I think that it can help you with leadership and in the bedroom. So <laughs> But I appreciate the honesty there. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of what you're saying, Shivani, just comes down to experience. I mean, you know, because you, I remember myself being a new grad and I remember, you know, when I first moved to Canada, um, I was roughly like in the same position that you, you are now, you know, I was only out like maybe three or four years and I was still trying to find who I was as a practitioner and what I was comfortable with. And um, I worked in uh, an office, in a corporate office that had a very, very long standing uh, woman dentist who was fabulous. She was great. And I saw the way she interacted um, with the patients. And you know what? The patients wanted to see her, you know, um, not the new person. Um, and it was more like, oh, you know, like, why can't, you know, why aren't people wanting to see me and, you know, really trying to go out of my way to like make everybody happy and, and trying to be like accommodating. I work like all the crappiest hours and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the patients who wanted to see me would see me and the patients who wanted to see her would see her. And eventually I built my own, you know, little following and my own little group. Um, and as I moved from like, you know, kind of like associateship to associateship, because, you know, not all of them last, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, until like I'm in the position that I'm in now where I'm really, really comfortable in my own skin doing what, you know, what I want to do and not feeling obligated to take on every case, not feeling obligated to save every tooth. And I think that's just more of like a young dentist mentality you know, what they teach you in school. And um, that's a whole other topic uh, for another discussion about like dental education and stuff. Now that I'm actually in it and I've been doing it for a while, what, what I see and how I wanna coach these, these students that are gonna be navigating and they're gonna be practicing in, in you know, a year or two. And I'm like, oh my God, like, like I remember what it was like, you know, those first few years out, it was so hard so hard like finding out what you wanted to do and navigating staff and you know your assistant sometimes knows more than you do and they're like oh my god I think of the stuff that I said and did and some of the work that I did back then I'm just like oh my god I'm surprised like people's heads haven't fallen off you know <laughs> like you know <laughs> and now it, it's it's like okay I, I I just feel so much more you know confident and and comfortable and I think that just has to do with experience and that comes, that comes with time. And then you're going to have times where you doubt yourself and, and you're like, oh my God, da, da, da. I always joke around where it's like, yeah, by the time you figure it all out, it's like, it's time to retire or, you know, or you're dead. <laughs> and I'm like, and I wish that it had come 
earlier and I you know it's a cliche I wish I had known then what I know now um, I would be totally different but that's what growth is and you know the best that you could do is just make the most of the time that you have and really enjoy this profession and then if anybody ever gets the opportunity to to teach um, and touch those young dentists and, and kind of try to mold them and give them the kind of guidance that I feel like I never got you know, that when you talk about being a leader, you know, I think that is so important, you know, just to convey like, look, you know, you don't, you're not going to have everything figured out. It's very difficult. This is how you got to navigate things. And that's, that's that they don't teach you in, in school. And it's such a hard lesson to learn. It's such a hard pill to swallow. Um, I don't miss those early days. I really don't. I, I look back on them and I cringe. <laughs> it's so it's so true. Hindsight is always always 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Hindsight is always 2020, regardless if it's a procedure, an uncomfortable conversation, words that were said. Like it, hindsight is always 2020. And if we can take from it, how can we learn and grow instead of beating ourselves up? Mm -hmm. I think at that point, that's when we not only grow as clinicians and leaders, but as human beings as well. Okay, I'm gonna head into our rapid fire question. And so I'm gonna go around. So it's gonna go Sonia, Keely, Shivani, and Amanda, and then we're gonna hit back around to the questions again. So first one, what word or words do you hate hearing? Um, I mean, I have to go with the word, uh, oh, spoiled and and bitch yeah keely oh geez um i can't <laughs> yeah i hate hearing when people say no or it can't be done or it's never been done that way so don't try i hate that it just makes me want to do it <laughs> <laughs> amanda it's not my fault um I, I, you know, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's another one I can't stand. Um, and it's not my problem. For me, it's I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. What are you currently reading or listening to? I am reading the book um, Indistractable by Nur Uriel because I'm constantly distracted and I'm working on all that. I had to look what the, the author was, but I'm reading the book Range by David Epstein. And it's about developing broadness of skill and specialty. Yeah, and I'm loving it. I am currently reading, it's a book called Every Day a Good Day. And it's written by um, a Japanese author trying to like learn more about Japanese culture, but it's beautiful. She did traditional Japanese tea ceremony lessons for over 20 years and it's kind of like the life lessons that she learned that apply just because of learning this like very meditative focused process um how she applies it to her everyday life and every day is a good day uh, i just finished atomic habits by james clear yes and um i found it incredibly incredibly useful uh found a lot of similarities because he's also suffered a traumatic brain injury and he um, really got his life back together. I have a really funny story to, to um, talk about. I know this is rapid fire, but when you talk about habit stacking, because um, I'm trying to get my patients to floss and it's like absolutely impossible. 
So they talk about like, you know, taking a, hap- a habit that you normally do um, and then trying to attach that attach that habit, you know, to what you normally do. So I'm like, okay, with flossing, you're like, you know, okay, what do you do when you get home? You know, do you watch TV? Do you do whatever? So one of my patients actually said to me, she's like, well, I smoke weed when I, you know, when I go home and da, da, da. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. So you know what? Put your container of floss right next to your bong. Okay, as a reminder, you know, to, you know, you, you do your habit stacking, right? And so she came back, like, you know, for her next restorative appointment, she's like, Dr. Trotty, it totally worked. And I was like, that's fantastic. You know, whatever it is you got to do to to get it done, you just do it. So just make sure you floss before you take that bong hit. <laughs> you know what? I'm like, rinse afterwards, just do it. You know, <laughs> just, just do it. Just get it done. As long as you're getting it done, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just happy that like they're actually doing it. So that, that book was like life changing. Cause how can I tell somebody to change a habit? If like, I'm not giving the tools to do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The book I'm reading currently right now is called set boundaries, find peace by Nidra Glover Tawab. Amazing. Highly recommend put it on the list. Okay, next question. What is your one go-to self-care thing? I like warm baths and massages. Nice runs to the beach usually. Mine would be journaling. I think just free writing or if I have a journal prompt, that's the best way to get my thoughts out. Mine's my early morning runs and training for a race. I have to have my races. And mine is hiking up a mountain with my puppy. (laughs) Okay, next question. Does it become easier learning how to say no? Definitely. And that's like my word of the year next year. 100%. Yes. It has not gone easier for me yet. I think maybe I'm getting a little bit better, (laughs) but it's definitely not easy. Yes and no. Hey, Depends on I what you're these, saying no to. <laughs> yeah, no, I love these answers. It's truth. It's all truth. Okay. And then last rapid fire question, where is your happy place? I'm going to say in the little nook of my husband's armpit with his arm around me. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, I think mine's, if I can say it, my, my home on Vancouver Island, just the island itself my happy place my happy place is anywhere with a beach a mountain and a beautiful sunset preferably all three and my dog (laughs) and my husband (laughs) my happy place is my kitchen uh first thing in the morning before the sun rises with my cup of coffee at my table when it's nice and quiet and extremely extremely peaceful my favorite time of the day my happy place is when my puppy chooses to come cuddle with me <laughs> instead of me trying to go get her. <laughs> okay, ladies, I want to thank you so much for all of your time. But before we go, I'm going to ask that you share one piece of advice that's a couple sentences, one or two sentences with the listeners, and then we'll close it up. Just one sentence? <laughs> That's it. Just last little tidbits. Oh my goodness. Mine is is enjoy the journey. Mine would be, it it does get easier. It does get easier. I would say stay open-minded. Keep learning. 
just just always trying to get new experiences mine would be okay i have two sentences one <laughs> you're not alone that every everything that you've ever felt someone has felt and experienced it before you and the other one is to build your tool build your toolbox so learn and read and practice as much as you can about wellness and mental health and to be a better version of yourself ah so that's gonna give me mine which leads into mine don't wait until you're breaking to take a break so on that note ladies thank you again so much i will put all of your contact information in the show notes so if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you because they resonate with your story and maybe they want to hear a little bit more um, they can connect with you at that point thank you thank you again and we will connect in the future Woo! to the end of part three thank you thank you thank you Wow, wow, wow. I am amazed with the conversation that we are able to get into. I'm already starting to think about a follow-up in next season with these lovely ladies. But I want to make sure you leave with one huge takeaway. You can create dentistry however you want it to look like. It needs to make sure it fits within your guidelines of how you want to practice schedule you want to set up, the breaks you want to take, and your overall dental philosophy. So let me ask you this. If it's not working, what changes do you need to make so then it does begin to work for you? Time to ask yourself what you truly want. Continue to challenge yourself and I will be here to nudge and support you as you move out of your comfort zone. It's time to think differently and change your narrative. Stay awesome.